verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, when it comes to um, when it comes to this idea of sanctification, when it comes to this idea of us living as Christians before God in the world, it is not just a case, of course, of what happens inside us and what has to happen continually inside of us in order for us to uh, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, in order for us to be like Christ and not like our old selves that has died with Christ and was crucified with Christ. There has to be um, an evidence to other people of the change that we profess has happened within ourselves. This change that has happened is first and foremost a permanent change because it is a change that has been wrought by God the Holy Spirit who has <clears throat> who has buried us or the old self with Christ after we were crucified with Christ and has connected us with the everlasting power of the resurrection and our sins have been forgiven we have been adopted into the family of God and we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us to yield to God for the time that we have left in this world and so there must be a central principle a central core a central idea of how that is to be um, carried out. Something that sums up the Christian life and our relationships with other people. And I think the golden rule is that something. If we are careful to, to understand and value this principle, simple as it seems then a great deal of everything else that we may struggle with or questions we may have will be ordered and would, will, be, uh, will make sense to us. Please notice that Jesus begins, verse 12, with a therefore. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So we have to look at what happens before this verse to connect it with the therefore. And we see that in the first six verses, he is dealing with judgment or judgmentalism. And then from verses 7 to verse 11, He's dealing with prayer. And you might think, well, what is the connection here between these two things and the golden rule? 
<clears throat> the connection has got to do with our valuation of other people. We're told, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With what measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. We tend to judge other people more harshly than we judge ourselves. We tend to use a different measure when we're judging other people, when we're judging their motives, when we're judging um, why they did something or why they are like the way they are. And we would not want that measure um, used on us. And so very often we don't use it on us. God here is warning us that we might not use that principle, that um, way of judgment that we use on others, on ourselves, but he will. He will. And what that looks like at the judgment seat of Christ, I really don't know, but I'm sure it's not going to be pleasant. Just because we have been forgiven, forgiven all of our sins, and we have if we've trusted in Jesus, does not mean that we get a pass to live any way that we want or to judge other people any way that we want, to dismiss people any way that we want or not value people. And that really is what this sermon is about. So he starts here by talking about the fact that we need to be very careful in the way that we judge other people and we need to have, as it were, grace when we're judging people. I know that that is not uh, something that I am always, uh, that is at the forefront of my mind when I appraise people or appraise their motives and maybe it's not yours either. And therefore verse 5 can be leveled at me sometimes. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't think that you can or that you are qualified to correct somebody else or tell somebody else how they ought to be living or how they ought to be if you haven't first done that with yourself. And if you haven't first done that with yourself then the advice is to make sure that you stop and that you do it to yourself. With the promise that if you don't, one day, one fateful day, God will do it to you. <clears throat> God will remove the plank that you refuse to re remove and you'll see yourself as the hypocrite that you are. Then he moves on, doesn't he, and he talks about prayer, which seems to be a bit incongruous. I mean, why would he go on and talk about prayer after this and then come back in verse 12 to our valuation of people, or to this golden rule? And I think that the reason is, without going into any detail, is that it has to do with prayer, <coughs> asking, seeking, knocking, and then the reason that you can do this is that uh, God is a reasonable God in the way that he interacts with you 
he will listen to you is that God values you for who you are. Do you see? God treats you with the respect that is due to you as his son and as his daughter. He hears you and responds as a father ought to respond. So God is an example, as it were, of having a proper judgment of you when you respond, or rather when you pray to him. He listens to you. He hears you. And he will respond in the right way. And so we come to verse 12, which says, Therefore, if God is like that, and if you are to be somebody who values other people, (coughs) therefore, (coughs) whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. This golden rule. This golden rule can be expressed in positive way, in a positive sense, like it is here, or a negative sense. <clears throat> and in fact, you uh, you come across variations of the golden rule in other religions and in other philosophies. You see it in the Eastern religions. <clears throat> you see it in some certain philosophies. You see it somewhat in um, the philosophy of Kant and um, Well, other views, which are not Christian. What's the difference between expressing it positively and negatively? Here's a negative expression of it. Do not do something to others that you wouldn't want them to do to you. What's the difference in saying that as over against whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them? You see, one of them is a positive expression, one of them is negatively expressed. And I think that the reason here has got to do with motive. Thank you. The reason has to do with motive. You see, this idea of do not do something to others that you wouldn't want them to do to you is rather self-centered, isn't it? You know, it's kind of selfish. In other words, the only reason, the motive for this is not really evaluation of others at all. It needn't include evaluation of others. It's just that, hey, if you don't want hassle for yourself, then make sure that uh, how you treat other people. You don't give them hassle. They won't give you hassle. That's a good principle, by the way. But it's not what Jesus is getting at here. And it doesn't fit this context. You couldn't put this negative expression in verse 12. Swap it out for what we have here. It doesn't fit. The reason it doesn't fit, as I say, is because really it's looking out for number one. It's just a way, a practical way, of you not getting um, a lot of trouble that you don't want. This is not what the golden rule is expressing. 
And it's not what Jesus means at all. Especially within this context. We have to make sure that we are looking at others in the way that we look at ourselves and that we want others to look at us. Again, whatever you want men to do to you, there's the kind of the, that's where you, you come in. Do also to them. Now the emphasis is not on the first part, it's on the second part. It's on what we must do. Do you see? What we must do. We must do to others whatever we want them to do to us. Now in order to do that, we need to have the right understanding and respect of others. Do you see? If we don't value others, we will not be able to do this. If we do not have a biblical approach to other people, this is going to be beyond us. Now, this is a a way of expressing a truth that comes out throughout Scripture. Love your neighbour as yourself, for example. Expresses it somewhat similarly. And in the same way in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Forgive me, my memory is not doing very well at the moment. In Philippians 2 verse 13. Oh, no, that's not 2.13. Sorry. 2.3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And this gets at what Jesus is trying to teach here to his disciples. We need to understand that when Jesus says that we are to judge righteously, we can only do that if we understand that the person we are judging is in a sense our brother or our sister, is therefore valuable. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, not in another's eye, but in your brother's eye. Do you see? Already there's a valuation that comes in when we are judging other people. The golden rule needs to be connected to the whole of the truth about what human beings are. And therefore, the golden rule only really can come to its full fruition in a biblical context. Because in the Bible, people are made in the image of God. The image of the biblical God. 
they are intrinsically worth more than any money, any bank account, any valuable stones. If we are made in the image of God, by God, not accidentally, but deliberately, by God, I wonder what that worth is. Yes, we're sinners and yes, we're fallen. And yet, even though the world discounts this truth, as a Christian, as a believer, as a child of God, when we take this golden rule up to ourselves and we utter it and we remember it, the first thing that we need to do is to fit it into this great truth of the image of God. Not the image of any other animal, not the image of any angel, but the image of God himself. You know, Satan, at his height of glory before his fall, was not made in the image of God. Gabriel, Michael, the the archangel, they're not made in the image of God. You are. And so is everyone else. Now that image as a Christian that is brought to a greater luster and a greater prominence and will be seen to be what it really is once we are glorified. But it is also the truth that every other person, saved or lost, are made in the image of God. That is the bedrock of Christian ethics. This valuation of people. If we don't understand it, we don't get it, we can't go on to deal with any other kind of important ethical issue. The golden rule needs the biblical God. It, it doesn't function if you have just gods, competing gods, different personalities in those gods, different value, values that those gods hold. It can't work there for you, see? There has to be the one God of the Bible, the God who is sinless, the God who is reasonable, the God who is love. Once we see this, we will be able to move on to articulate what this means. What Jesus is saying here is that we must view people as ends in themselves. We've heard this uh, use this as a means to an end. Okay, it's a means to an end. What do we mean? It means that we we grab hold of this particular tool or this uh, way of doing things in order to achieve something that we want to achieve. We have a goal in mind and we just use the golden rule. You wouldn't want someone to do that to you. Do also to them. It says, do also to them. 
which means we want to be viewed as important, you know, not not overly important in the scheme of things, but important in and of ourselves. We're a human being. We have our own integrity. We have our own dignity. And so, therefore, we need to make sure that if that's our view of ourselves, that must be our view of other people. In fact, we go beyond that because, as we read in Philippians 2, it is really important that we go a little bit beyond that and make sure that we're treating other people as better than ourselves. Putting them before our needs. Now, what that does is that that solidifies the fact that people are ends in themselves. If a per, another person is <clears throat> more important than us, in our view, if we esteem others better than ourselves, then clearly we can't just use them as tools because they're better, do you see? They must be an end in themselves if they're better than us. In our, in our viewpoint. Something that we esteem that highly, you see, we're not going to just use in order to get our way. And so we, we must treat people as ends in themselves. Now, I want to, to sh- kind of illustrate this in a practical sense by uh, <clears throat> using a book by Robert Kane through the moral maze where he gives an example of this and uh, you will uh, forgive me if I have to read a little bit of this it's not because I haven't gone through it several times it's because my head is not functioning very well this morning <clears throat> but he speaks about Okay, it's all very well to have this view of treating other people in every other situation as an end and never as a means. But there are many, many situations in life, are there not, where we have to make a decision about how to treat one person as over against another person. And he gives an example. Well, he gives two examples. One example has got to do with... uh, the pirate Captain Kidd when he attacked Philadelphia in the 18th century he pillaged and he raped and some of the resident men with pacifist leanings in other words not to fight would not protect their women they were in effect allowing the pirates to pursue their goals in life without interference but not granting the same freedom to the women, respecting the pirates, but not their own women. Another example is the assault and murder of Kitty Genovese in New York. The public did not expect that these witnesses, many of whom were aged, should have taken on the killer directly, Kane says, That would have probably meant two or more deaths rather than one. But the witnesses were faulted for not doing what they could reasonably have done in the situation. That is, call the police or otherwise try to get help. 
they were expected to do what they could have done in the situation because failing that, they would not be respecting the victim. We might ask Kitty Genovese about this if we could. Now, what this is saying is simply this. Whatever we want other people to do to you, do also to them. In a situation where somebody is being violated, like in these two examples, can you see that you have a choice to make? And the choice is between violating their uh, right to express themselves they want, the way they want to express themselves. You see, you either have to choose the victim to protect the victim and their right to be left alone or you have to choose the violator to leave them alone, in which case you are what? Allowing them to pursue their wicked devices against somebody that they ought to be valuing. Do you see? But you have to make a choice. Society has to make a choice in a situation like that. And it comes back to this principle of the golden rule. Whatsoever you would have them do to you, do also to others. But what if somebody is not obeying that and they are violating someone, they are raping, they are hurting, they are stealing, they are otherwise taking advantage of a person? Should we as Christians who hold to this principle should we say, well, that's okay, it's not for us to interfere. It's not. And I'm not talking about actually physically interfering in the situation. I've just read about that. But I'm here talking about the way we view this. Is it all right to let anyone live any way they want if they are not, if they are using other people as means to an end rather than ends in themselves. And I hope that you can see that the answer is no. The golden rule tells us, uh, being a very basic principle, but it tells us that we cannot do that. We can't do that in the way that we're re responding and reacting to people and treating people, and we shouldn't do that also of course, in the wider society. I mean, do you think that Jesus' golden rule applies just to you? Does it not also apply to everyone? Do you see how it becomes the basis for the way that we are going to treat people? If we treat people as ends in themselves, we will not violate them. But in a situation where somebody is being violated, they are being treated as a means to an end by other people, 
then we choose the victim, as it were. And and a righteous, a just society chooses to protect the victim and punish the person who is not treating them in the right way. This is the essence of taking the golden rule and making it a backbone of a just society. And remember, we're going in this uh, second part of the series, we're going in the direction of looking at how we are to take Christian principles and think about them out there in the world. Now, if we cannot get this, and I hope that we do, we cannot tackle thornier problems like abortion or like gender or corruption or fair business practices. We, in fact, don't even understand why we have a police force if we don't understand this principle. If we are not to be hypocrites, we must value other people as made in the image of God. And therefore, they cannot be used as means to an end, as a step for us to put our foot on in order to get where we want to get. That's not open to us. Folks, I have to say that there are people, many people in ministry, who have done just that and do do just that. But you know what? They have a reckoning coming. What we want to do is establish a basis to go forward. And, and here, just in conclusion, I want to just say this, and that is, if the golden rule really situates what we're supposed to be in the way that we're supposed to be in our relationships to others, I hope you can see that it works in the smallest way, in our interpersonal relationships with other people. Maybe we're struggling a little bit with somebody in the family or one of the relatives a son or a daughter or whatever that might be. It might be that we're struggling with a friend over something. We need to make sure that we are not using them as, ends, as means to an end, to our ends. We've got to examine ourselves first so that we are treating them as we would want to be treated. But then this applies also to the way we want society to be. We don't want people making decisions about other people that goes against this principle. Because God has made us to reflect his image. It is not our right to change that truth in order to get what we want out of society. 
And that's all I have to say today about this. There are more things that we need to talk about. But let us understand what has been said. Let us understand that it is your duty, it is my duty, to esteem others better than ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this simple rule that Jesus set forth, which is not put in the negative where it could be viewed or understood by us in a selfish way, but positively so that we have to consider other people. And therefore we have to consider other people biblically. We have to consider other people as made in your image and as ends in themselves. Help us, we pray, to do this. How much would fall away? How much trouble would be eased if we would simply follow this rule? I pray your blessing as we go forward this week treating other people as we would want to be treated. In Jesus' name, Amen.